Um, but I, I think we definitely wanted a slightly more grounded palette and, and visual look, um, not where it's super stilted or anything, not super realistic, but nevertheless, because uh, we wanted a science fiction tale that, you know, treats the characters with a lot of love and care and also is bringing up very, you know, hopefully thought-provoking ideas that, you know, the, the, the color palette, while I love how bright and beautiful, you know, Saga is, um, that would, ne- would not be a great fit for what the tone of uh, what we wanted for the story. So I think for that part, it, it's a combination of, but nevertheless, we still wanted to make it pop, right? You know, it, it's still a visual medium. So I, I think without, you know, I, I don't know exact terminology or, or great analogs, but it is kind of that balance of where it is, you know, it feels like it, it exists in a world that uh, we, we know of in terms of like current day Earth pre coronavirus, of course, um, but also it is also has moments where it is a feast for the eyes. Yeah. And I, oh. I think, too, one of the big, big thing I think for Ben and I were, was definitely to make sure it had the color. Like if you just look at any images in Africa and the, and the coloring of costume and all of that stuff, we really wanted it to kind of resemble that as well. And so, so we always wanted to make sure that there was color you know, because it, it really felt like it mirrored, you know, the world. So it's, uh, so we kind of, especially in arc one, we really, uh, especially that first issue, we really made it the kind of the colors of Africa from what we could understand of it and, and then kind of carried that on through there to make sure that there was always, you know, more color and costume and stuff and not just blacks and whites and browns and stuff. Mm-hmm. Hi, this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And today we're going to look at a graphic novel called Delegates, and we have the co-creators, Bin Lee and Tina Sessa Ward with us. Welcome, guys. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Thank you for having us. We're happy to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. First of all, guys, before we get into this, how are you coping with our situation that we're all in right now? We're essentially kind of a semi-quarantine, but definitely not you doing our usual as we normally do. So my day job is doing software. So thankfully, my, my job already allows us to work from home. So uh, essentially now it's just more of a very long-term uh, situation. So I'm very lucky to still be employed and to still be able to pay artists for uh, to continually make the comic book. Uh, obviously, it's a big uh, you know change in terms of like, less commute, but it's also trying to separate the the home from the work. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also, I work in TV development, so I'm, I luckily can do this from home as well. So uh, I, that's what I'm doing. And I, I actually do enjoy working from home. It's just, <laughs> it's just a matter of, yeah, like Ben says, the kind of figure out that time, but I, I certainly like having my hours and then, taking break when I want to take a break. It, it kind of some somewhat helps with focus, but it's such a weird time, you know, because it's like, yes, it is. You're like, you're in this and there's a part of you that's like, Oh, well, this isn't so bad. But then if you think about why you're here, then you're like, then it just seems so horrible, you know? So it's, it's a, it's a tough thing, but uh, you know, we'll all get through it and we'll be all right. Yeah, I think so too. 
there is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. So, delegates, uh, how did this idea come to you, both of you? Is it something you came at together, or did one present to the other? And uh, Ben, we can start with you if you'd like. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll start just because uh, it did come from. It originally was. I had a weird dream about. I don't know, robots and elections or something like that. And this was uh, uh, quite a few years back. And at that time, the terminology of automation was still a pretty relatively new concept uh, that was barely breaking through beyond software uh, industries. I kind of just merged the two ideas and thought about, well, if everything eventually gets automated, what if like government or governing gets automated. I've respected Tina uh, kind of from through mutual friends from her work. And uh, we found out that we both were interested in writing a comic book and collaborating. So uh, that's when I approached her with the idea. <laughs> and then I was excited to jump on because I had really just done a lot of drama and I wanted to do more into genre and do sci-fi and stuff. I just never was given the opportunity to do so. So when Ben told me about this, I was super excited to jump in. And I kind of liked his the, the kind of the idea of this, and uh, you know, also doing AI from kind of a different perspective um, than before. So, and also setting it in you know a different a different world that we really had to research a lot and uh, you know jump into it. But it was exciting to jump into a different world. As far as plotting this out, I mean, there's several issues, more than several. So did you both kind of do a grand arc before you started getting into the story? Yeah, I mean, before every arc, uh, gosh, Ben, what was it, three weeks or so, we would sit and and really uh, talk about the arcs and really go over issue by issue, what was going to be in them, um, really go over character arcs, uh, you know, the whole overall, overall arc of the 30-issue series and really try to keep it on track. And so we would kind of sit in a room all day <laughs> for a few weeks and really hash out the next, you know, six issues. So the first six issues, we did it that way. And then uh, we would individually write, go write the issue. So we would have these three weeks together, then we would break off and go write. And I would write, in, you know, like issue one, then he would go and do two. And we would try to write them right after each other. Sometimes we overlapped a little bit, which, which then was always interesting because, you know, as writers, you, you sometimes, you know, what you see on the board ends up being a little different on the page. So we would come across things that were like, oh, but what if this happened? And then I would have to call Ben or Ben would have to call me and we'd say, all right, well, then I got to change that and this and, you know, and all that. But it, it would kind of happen that way organically here and there. So it, it also made it fun. I think it's, it was a, great way to kind of go about it where it's like we have this great bl blueprint to go from but once we dug in we found all these other fun little nuances that we got to explore as well so we just always had to keep adjusting our issues backwards and forwards i guess <laughs> okay i just want to quickly add on yeah everything that tina said um but it was basically a great balance of like you know as a writer and a creator where the general direction is going because 30 issues is a, is a lot to handle. Um, but it was also great to find ways of being surprised by uh, what, what, what Tina had written or one of us had written and yeah. she said, you know, it, it's like we, it, there's this great confidence of like a general direction and it's okay if it veers a little bit in a different, slightly different direction and it actually adds to 
the, the creative juices. For both of you, as far as the look and uh, what, what style were you looking for? And I guess you had to decide on a color palette and all that. Um, so talk about that part of the process, finding out the kind of look you wanted for the graphic novel. That's a great question. I would say, you know, uh, and Tina, please correct me if, if your memory is better than mine. Um, but I, I think we definitely wanted a slightly more grounded palette and, and visual look, um, not where it's super stilted or anything, not super realistic, but nevertheless, because uh, we wanted a science fiction tale that, you know, treats the characters with a lot of love and care and also is bringing up very you know, hopefully thought-provoking ideas that, you know, the, the, the color palette, while I love how bright and beautiful, you know, Saga is, um, that would, ne- would not be a great fit for what the tone of uh, what we wanted for the story. So I think for that part, it, it's a combination of, but nevertheless, we still wanted to make it pop, right? You know, it, it's still a visual medium. So I, I, I think... Without, you know, I, I don't know exact terminology or, or great analogs, but it is kind of that balance of where it is, you know, it feels like it, it exists in a world that uh, we, we know of in terms of like current day Earth pre-coronavirus, of course, um, but also it is also has moments where it is a feast for the eyes. Yeah. And I, I think, too, one of the big big things, I think, for Ben and I were, was definitely to make sure it had the color. Like, if you just look at any images in Africa and the, and the coloring of costume and all of that stuff, we really wanted it to kind of resemble that as well. And so, so we always wanted to make sure that there was color, you know, because it, it really felt like it mirrored, you know, the world. So it's, uh, so we kind of... Especially in arc one, we really, uh, especially that first issue, we really made it the kind of the colors of Africa from what we could understand of it and, and then kind of carried that on through there to make sure that there was always, you know, more color and costume and stuff and not just blacks and whites and browns and stuff. Mm-hmm. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned. Would you both say that this is what kind of a burgeoning field that is really kind of gaining a lot of steam, Afrofuturism? I then you're not going <laughs> to take that. I, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. I, it's, it's, it's interesting when we first started writing it because we started writing it, what was it, 2015, I think, Ben? And it was before um, uh, Black Panther and stuff like that. And when we had heard that that was happening, we were very excited. And we were very much like, oh my gosh, it's so great that that movie's coming out. And and, you know, maybe this is the start of things. And so, I mean, I don't know if I know the answer to that. I, I, I would hope so. I mean, because we need to see more stories like this. So I, I hope it's the beginning of it. But um, we certainly didn't. I don't I know from my perspective, I didn't kind of go into writing it with like, oh, I have this I want to be part of this, this, you know, new wave of uh, stories. It was just really just ended up being who those characters were and where where they were and and all of that stuff. And you just kind of want to write the best story you can for those characters in that place. So I'll let Ben add yeah. on to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I agree with what Tina said. 
neither uh, Tina nor I, we are, you know, of African descent or African American at all. Obviously, we would not call ourselves ambassadors of Afrofuturism. That would be super disrespectful no. of the genre. And, yeah. you know, as during our research, you know, Afrofuturism has been around for a very long time. It's just unfortunately, yes. like a lot of a lot of different types of storytelling, it doesn't get, you know, get the attention from mainstream, whether it's comic book or movies or whatnot. And it, it takes a while to build up that uh, momentum. From our point of view, you know, I will, I will admit my ignorance and, you know, it, which is probably a good thing that I did not know much about Afrofuturism. And so therefore I could tell the story just from the two, me and Tina's, our best abilities in terms of our research, our understanding of the giant different, uh, you know, types of worlds and, and types of cities and, and countries uh, all throughout the continent of, of Africa. And obviously we cannot, we were never going to do a story that encapsulates all of Africa because it's just, sure. it's so diverse. Um, yeah. So, you know, we intentionally picked like, okay, let's pick near this, you know, the central region of, uh, you know, like the, so the Central African Republic, the DR Congo, that type of area. And so we did try to research through that and, and try to build from that point on in terms of using the science fiction that we wanted to use. If people who are experts of Afrofuturism feel that we are, you know, that our story adds to the conversation, adds to the genre, then we're definitely humbled by it. But it was never our intention to, you know, try to, you know, state our claim or something like that. Um, but it's super exciting to be exposed to Afrofuturism because it just opens up, it, it opened up a lot of uh, insights on my part and, and to be more respectful and to look out for other types of, you know, pockets where, you know, marginalized people or, or folks that just have this incredible storytelling that just doesn't get picked up easily from mainstream media. Oh, absolutely. No, that's fine. It's cool. Very cool. It, it is good that you did a story, uh, you know, in this area that we don't hear a lot about in the science fiction vein. So kudos for that. I think most people will appreciate it. Why don't we take a short break? I'm talking to Ben Lee and Tina Sessa Ward, who are co-creators of Delegates, a new graphic novel. We'll be right back. Sir, there's a multi-legged creature crawling on your shoulder. We're talking delegates today with Tina Sessa Ward and Bin Lee. And uh, so it looks like the story kind of takes place through the eyes of an American, kind of a, a contractor, you might say. Kind of talk a little bit about her. It's our, our main character is uh, Marla. And yeah, she's an African-American uh, bodyguard for hire. And so she's basically uh, contracted out to, uh, in this fictional country called Fula Wadabe, you know, in the Central African area region, um, you know, she is uh, a bodyguard for, for the president. You should, you should put in there, though, that she went there as, uh, you know, undercover, but as being known as a secretary in the, for That's I right. mean, uh, the a big part of it and in the, but that gets all blown out of the, you know, from the first issue, but, uh, but yeah, oh, yeah, that was, that was her cover as a secretary. <laughs> What's interesting too, is there's kind of a, a, co a company that's behind the whole thing with the leader and all the operation and, and all of that. Uh, 
Talk about uh, that and kind of uh, creating that a little bit. We, we definitely were very self-conscious. Like, it's very common in science fiction to have, like, this big, you know, big corporation that has its fingers in everything. And um, while, yeah, definitely it, 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 it's something where um, we find out that Marla finds out that, you know, not only is the person she's protecting not a human, I guess that's a spoiler now. <laughs> um, yeah. that it, it's the same company that she's part of, that it, it's a part of a secret organization, the secret, you know, operation that she's, she's not aware of. But definitely, uh, we, we're definitely very conscious about, like, we don't want it to be just like this big monolithic, super evil corporation. But obviously, it's also trying to balance between that and you know the sen- you know the, the the sensibilities that like we're we're portraying a, a fictional African country that's being potentially being co-opted by a foreign large corporation. So that aspect, which is pretty common in some of the science fiction I've seen, in terms of you know this big monolithic uh, company, is there. But we wanted to you know really focus on the characters and how they understand you know how how everything works and what they can do to redeem you know their you know what they needed to uh accomplish where what's the best place to uh, to get delegates uh that would be uh comicsology was definitely up, all all issues are up on comicsology as well as the trade for uh, the first arc and the trade for the second will be out soon um so that's a one place you can find it. And then you can also find it in print as well. Um, and I can never pronounce that name. Ben, you, t- you say what it is. <laughs> I, I, think it's, yeah, I think it's pronounced Artist Merrick. Uh, so yeah. it's spelled A-R-I-T-E. I should just find that right now. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So it's A-R-T-I-T-H-M-E-R-I-C dot com. Ah, okay. Um, and, yeah. And, and so they also have our first 12 issues uh, along with the first trade on there as well. And um, uh, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, uh, but uh, actually Comixology is holding a, a submitter's starter sale, I guess is what they're calling it. So essentially, oh, nice. our, our number one issue is 50% off, and so is the, our volume one, which is the trade for uh, the first six issues. That is also 50% off, and that sale is happening right now and going until June 4th. Oh, okay. Yeah, this will, this will run before June 4th, definitely. So people will have a chance to, uh, to get the comic that way. That sounds really good. That's how, you know, they've, uh, Comixology has really changed the comics industry and have given sure. a lot of creators like yourself uh, an outlet that didn't exist before. So um, before it was just the majors and maybe independents. But other than that, there wasn't anything like this. And uh, the Internet, how it's just changed so yeah. much of our lives. But, but sure. uh, it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing. I think it's really cool. Yeah, agreed. Comicsology has, has been really great, and uh, it, it really has. It's expanded, you know, all all of our worlds to be able to put out self publish our own work. You know, uh, so it's it's a great thing that they've come around. There's others as well, but Comicsology, I think, was certainly the first before it was bought by Amazon. But 
that's right. Yeah. It's, it's, and also, I just love their technology. The guide view is really fantastic. And I love that you can go yes. from panel to panel. It's, it's good for someone like me that reads comics and is always trying not to cheat and look at the next page while I'm reading the current page. And so it's like it, it works out well for me. It keeps me from cheating so I don't get spoiled by the next <laughs> page. So it's cool. I, I totally hear you. So it's available at Comixology. Really, just to wrap up, uh, any chance uh, you might return to this world? Or do you think you've told this story? Oh, it's, uh, we definitely had planned out 30 issues. And the goal is to get them all out. Uh, so we have uh, up to issue 12 is now available, uh, you know, has been released. So the first two arcs. And right now, um, you know, we have, uh, a, you know, some returning artists coming on board for the third arc, uh, along with a couple of new faces. So we're excited to work with them right now. Um, and hopefully we'll get the uh, issue 13 out by um, hopefully by June. That'd be great. That'd be really great. Yeah. Well, thank you both for being on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I really like what you've done. So, uh, thank so you very I, much. Hopefully, you guys will be team, teaming up again. Yes, we yeah, have we yeah. have thoughts, <laughs> but uh, for sure. <laughs> but we've been all consumed with delegates just getting it out the door. But yeah, it's, uh, I hope so. It's been fun the fun the right for sure. And I look forward to doing some more. Cool. Yeah, same here. And yeah, really appreciate you taking the time, Tony. Anytime, anytime. And thank you all for listening. It's Delegates. Started Comixology. That's a great place to get it. I know most of you have tablets and things like that, too. And even just a good old desktop to view things like this. So uh, definitely check it out. And you can also enroll for a free lifetime membership at Sci-Fi Talk Plus with early release episodes, exclusive and uncut episodes. Just click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. Now, if you subscribed, you would get weekly a day before the actual release. And it also uncut and commercial free. So there you go. This is Tony Tolado. Thanks for listening.